0: Hi guys, welcome to episode 6 of the Healing Haley Show. If you're here again, thank you for being here and thank you for showing up for yourself. So today we're going to be speaking about attachment styles and specifically the dismissive avoidant attachment. Quick disclaimer, I'm not a licensed professional. I'm just a girl who's sharing her story in hopes that it can help a few people along the way. If you do want to search for that licensed or professional help, please seek it elsewhere. If you want to stay and keep listening, today we are speaking about dismissive avoidance. In the last episode we spoke about attachment styles in general and the anxious attachment so go check those or go check that video out that episode out because understanding what an attachment style even is and understanding all the attachment styles in general is very helpful and necessary so my name is Hayley Foreman I'm gonna be your host today like this video um, subscribe comment really helps me out and you know stay in touch ask questions I'm I'm open to anything so let's start looking at what dismissive avoidance kind of encompasses in general a person with a dismissive avoidant attachment style has a hard time being open with others they often reject emotional overtures from uh, loved ones or partners. And they can just end up feeling like relationships aren't worth it. Like they're just too much trouble. So if you identify with any of those feelings or you or you know someone in your life who does, chances are you have... Uh, dismissive avoidance in your life to some degree let's talk about the signs and symptoms specifically in children we speak about the signs in children first because you could have a child that you you know you're you're trying to figure out what's going on with them emotionally or um, it's also helpful if you just want to look back on your childhood because it will help you unearth some things that maybe you uh, forgot about so number one this kind of ultra independence you know even if they're a kid they they still have that like they want to do everything on their own uh, number two they act like they don't have any emotional needs they're unemotional. They can also have difficulty like crying or expressing their emotions in a a more vulnerable way. And number five is physical contact. So they're uncomfortable with physical contact. And for me as a kid there was a shift and there definitely was a time where um, I wasn't so uncomfortable with physical contact with um my family or my parents and then something happened with my mom that just uh I I no longer felt comfortable and even to this day I don't feel comfortable being physically close to anyone other than my partner which is interesting because my love language is physical touch my number one love language is physical touch so You know, like I said, going back through these symptoms, you can start to think, oh, but I do have that. Like, I do have issues with physical contact outside of just my partner. You know, why do I have issues with that? Or why does it feel like uncomfortable to me? Because you can think in your head like, oh, it just feels uncomfortable to you but that's the whole process of growing and healing is like you have to really dig at like why why does it feel uncomfortable to you and you may end up at the same answer you may end up at yeah it just feels uncomfortable to me but there's nothing more but you have to make sure that you really dig through it because there may be something more there and for me when i when i saw that or when i read about that i immediately thought like i was physically close with my mom at a point and other people i wasn't so uncomfortable with physical contact and then there was a shift and there was you know stuff that happened in, it happened in my childhood that shifted that and I remember people who would say, oh, you're so close to your mom. Like, you know, you hug her and you kiss her and you play. I used to, I used to like, it's kind of mean. But I, like, I wasn't being mean as a kid, but I used to get her to like stretch her arm out and I would like f- flick her extra skin under there. <laughs> yeah, it's it was, it was, it, it was kind of mean. But my mom was quite thin like it wasn't like I was picking on her or something Um, and you know you just you're just plain but I remember I was close like that with her and then I, I wasn't and I had a situation with her where you know she was really going through a lot like she just wasn't feeling good about herself and I was in a really bad place and it's not an excuse but you know I'm I'm 30 years old tomorrow so I can I can look back and and have empathy and, and understand um that she was going through things but I went on vacation with her and there were even other times as well where when she got angry she like hit me and it wasn't just you know like a slap on the wrist like it was like an actual like fight almost and I was just kind of like what the hell like what are you doing Um, and she was obviously very remorseful and and whatnot but even when I think about those moments now I can just remember that like you were not like this like you were not okay You know, Um, and obviously not a great way to to deal with those emotions. Not a good way at all. But I remember that those instances, like I can see that I shifted from not wanting to be like like just like being close like that just made me feel uncomfortable. So looking back at that can help you to say oh, yeah, like, I remember these times or, like, I can I can think back to, like, why would I feel uncomfortable, you know? And you can kind of bring those things up and, and acknowledge them and, and say, like, yeah, actually, I do remember, like, a distinct difference in my childhood when I hit, like, 11 or 12. And, you know, conveniently, that's when those things happened. So, you know, chances are that that added to it. Now let's talk about some signs of avoidant attachment in adulthood. So there are a lot, so uh, pause the video, do what you have to do, think about them, write down, write down any of them that you might identify with or you think your partner identifies with or a friend. And uh, yeah, let's jump into it. So once again, holding independence as like the most important thing. They are self-sufficient. They don't need anybody. Um, That's another thing. Believing you don't need anyone else. And you have to do it all on your own. And I think that where this comes from. Is. uh, There can be two things. But. Your parent could have. Actually manipulated you. And. uh, Helped you but it wasn't actually helping you. It was for their own gain or uh, yeah, they just kind of used you in the moment. So now it makes you feel like you don't want anyone's help because it feels unsafe to you. Or it can come from um, someone being very overprotective. So doing everything for you and then kind of making fun of you or or belittling you and making you feel like you weren't able to do it on your own. You know so now you have that feeling um, and I've had that where I've tried to help um, friends or partners and they literally are like no I can do it by myself and it's like okay like no one is saying you can't do it by yourself but like it would also help if you got help you know anyway that that is definitely a, a pretty big sign that you have some avoidant tendencies um you avoid talking about your emotions you uh, refuse to talk about your past so i've had relationships where i've spoken to the person about their past and they just like reeled off these things that happened in their past and spoke about it like it was very a matter of fact and I remember thinking, you know, when the relationship kind of got to a bad point, I was like, or kind of ended, I was like, why can I only recognize right now that that was a much bigger issue than I thought it was at the beginning? Because I'm the type of person that if I think something's an issue, I'm going to talk to the person about it. Like, I'm going to be like, hey, let's talk. Like, let's, you know, what happened here? I, and because I, I deeply want to know understand people and understand them on an emotional level and understand them you know through their past to where they are now so I know I would ask questions like that but then I thought to myself why didn't I like this is so weird why didn't I ask those questions and the reason that I didn't ask those questions is because that person was so good at just like making it seem as if they were totally cool with it. Like they had processed it and they're like, yeah, it's totally fine. This happened. Yeah, it's kind of an unorthodox thing to happen in a childhood. But, you know, it is what it is. And I remember thinking in that moment, oh my gosh, that's so mature. Or, you know, this person has processed it. And that's why I didn't keep diving in. That's why I didn't keep asking those questions when, you know... I I needed to have been asking those questions but also you can only ask as many questions as like someone also has to be willing to 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 be vulnerable and be emotionally vulnerable and that's the biggest thing here that dismissive avoidant people will tell you something very surface level but they won't tell you the emotional root and they're good at playing it off like it's absolutely okay so definitely watch out for that definitely start thinking to yourself did this person tell me what happened or did they tell me how they feel about what happened and if if it's missing that feeling about what happened then uh you can start recognizing it or they just refuse to talk about their past in general that's a pretty clear sign um they have very strong personal boundaries and negotiating or compromising around those are like absolutely not you know and very like individualistic and once again i don't support that i don't think it's going to help um connection on the planet the whole point of why we're here is love and the way that you receive and give love is through connection so if you're living this very like individualistic lifestyle of like this is what I do and I'm okay and I'm like good with not communicating or talking to people for 90% of my life and the other 10 times I will because that's what makes me feel safe. It's like okay but stop using the word unsafe. It makes you feel uncomfortable. You know. Yes, there are certain things that make people feel unsafe because th- those situations are unsafe but you have to get much more discerning about what's uncomfortable versus what's unsafe otherwise you're not going to create long-lasting deep connections in your life you just like i have dismissive avoidant tendencies that i had to work through too you know and it can be really hard to acknowledge and it can be really hard to feel those feelings but you you need to feel them to work through them and it's absolutely necessary so like it's necessary for connection and for love and we all want that you know whether we say we do or don't we all want that so um, dismissive avoidant people can shut down if someone pushes you to get deep or Be emotional I've had this in partnerships where as you can tell I've had many partnerships or friendships with dismissive avoidant people Um, I have literally had a partner just shut down like 100% shut down didn't say another word to me like in that conversation I've never had that before in my life, but, um, yeah. And then obviously having that happen just made me even more anxious. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I did not understand that. And obviously I had my own emotional maturity to work on as well. Um, but being... In a relationship with someone who's dismissive avoidant i mean you can feel like this person is so cold and like mean you know you that's dismissive avoidant people often get accused of being that way and i mean to them they're protecting themselves but really they're just putting up a barrier between themselves and love and they're not willing to to talk about how they feel because they're too um, uncomfortable or scared or they feel like they're like a burden to talk about their own it's it's a burden to talk about their own feelings and stuff so those are things you have to work through because uh, the right people will not feel that way the right people, the health, healthy people in your life will not feel like the things you have to say are a burden just remember that so You constantly find faults in other people. You have this ideal partner or past partner that you constantly compare all your relationships to. Um, If you're in a romantic relationship and you're dismissive avoidant, you can often feel stifled in that relationship. You know, if you have like a real issue with the Um, just feeling so locked down in that commitment. Like that person is taking away your autonomy or something. Um, And dismissive avoidant people, lastly, are more prone to casual relationships for that reason rather than a relationship that is committed so you know there's like 10 or 12 symptoms signs of dismissive avoidance so if you're checking off majority of those then you definitely want to sit down with this and start working through your insecure attachment and you know it can be hard it can be hard to acknowledge these things especially if you're dismissive avoidant you tend to push away those feelings and not want to to deal with it you tend to avoid those feelings you know avoidance attachment means that you you lacked healthy bonding as a child and that's made you very suspicious of relationships so you react to intimacy by backing off and avoiding it and for me I've been in relationships with people who are dismissive avoidant Um, and specifically in relationships you'll notice at the like one and a half mark that if you're a dismissive avoidant person you tend to start pushing that person away or if you're in a relationship um, they start tend to start pushing you away at that kind of between a year and a year and a half Uh, and I've had it happen multiple times to me uh, without really recognizing what that was about So, now that we've spoken about all the signs, let's start talking about what could have caused this. You know, I I kind of said it a little bit there, that you lack healthy bonding as a kid. And let's talk about what that bonding can look like. Your parent or caregiver may have uh, lacked empathy. And didn't really sit with you in your feelings. Um... And maybe that was because they lacked the knowledge on how to support a child. You know, maybe they didn't even know how to support themselves. People who are avoidant tend to have avoidant um, parents or caregivers. So for me specifically, in one of my relationships, I can remember meeting um, their parents and like they didn't even sit down with me for 10 minutes to have a conversation to get to know me you know how is it that someone is not dating your child and you have no interest in in knowing the person who is and then that just leads me as a person to having so much more empathy for my ex-partner or partners because this has happened multiple times but you you just realize that they're acting that way because that's what they've been shown their whole life. They don't know any different. And people learn at different points along their life, you know, not everybody is just going to be in a relationship and figure it all out. That that's, that's not how things work there is divine timing in it as well you know people are awakened to things at different points people have different things to go through and um yeah i'm not of the mindset of just like oh well no matter what your childhood was you should know how to treat people and how not to treat people and I, i think it's important to definitely keep checking yourself and being like am i treating the people in my life like, am I treating them well? Am I treating them in a way that's healthy? Like, I definitely think that's important. But, you know, not everybody's going to learn on the same timeline. You know, there may have been literally just one thing in in a person's life that was different than another person's life that led them to that feeling of like, you know, I should work on my maturity. Maybe the other person has never been in... Relationships or situations that have really tested them, or caused them to like to need to shift. I I I don't know. There's all sorts of things. I don't I don't believe that. Like I don't. You learn in your own time when it happens, and but when you learn, you start doing better. That's it. You know. You don't learn and then keep doing the same stuff. That's now we're getting to something different, but once you learn once you figure it out you move forward in a better way so the reason that I kind of stuck on that is because like have compassion for yourself have empathy for yourself first before you go giving it to anybody else have it for yourself first and understand why you are the way you are why you've been making those decisions so that you can stop stunting your own growth because of things you didn't ask for You know, things that happen to you that you you didn't ask for as a child. You had no control over them happening to you. So be gentle with yourself. And keep going down this path. Keep acknowledging things in your own time. You know, but just make sure you stop hurting yourself. And you stop hurting other people, you know. Obviously, everyone to some degree is is going to you know break a promise to themselves or, or um, you know maybe hurt someone else at some point. But you don't want to just go projecting that out onto the world without a care. Like, no one wants to be that person. So, what else could have happened? Um, your parents could have felt overwhelmed by their parenting responsibilities, so they. Um, guilted you or neglected you or shamed you you know they could have shamed you for having feelings because you having feelings means they're not parenting right and then acknowledging that is too much for them and so it's just easier to make you feel bad about your feelings so they don't have to deal with it they could have been abusive or emotionally distant so literally when you needed them emotionally, they just were not there, um, and that's kind of abusive, honestly. In in relationships, I, I I do think it's kind of abusive. So sit with that and think to yourself, you know, were my parents there for me? Not just were they there for me? Did they hug me and and kiss me and tell me it's gonna be okay? But did they sit with me in my emotions? Did they hear me out? Did they? Um, whole space for how I felt around the things that they did, or someone they loved did. You know, sit in those feelings too, because it's not just about, you know, y- your mom hugged you or y- your dad, you know, m- let you lie down with him and everything was okay. Like you, you do have to talk about things and move through the actual emotions. Um, and lastly your parent could have tended to your needs but very inconsistently so some things they were there for you some things they weren't and that created this distrust and this general feeling of you know getting close to someone is unsafe because i never know when they're going to be there for me or not and it's just easier for me to be here for myself um that's usually a very typical like dismissive avoidant um train of thought so We're kind of getting towards the end of this episode now. The last thing that we're going to speak about is how to deal with a partner who is dismissive avoidant. So, we kind of spoke about what dismissive avoidance looks like and and what causes it, but now let's talk about if you're in a relationship with someone who's dismissive avoidant specifically. What are some of the things that can help them? Number one, don't keep pushing when they feel overwhelmed. try to be there for them when they've calmed down. So allow them that space to just feel their feelings because dismissive avoidant people tend to need a little bit of time to process their emotions. Not always, but they tend to need a little bit of time. They get really overwhelmed by a lot of emotional um, or by intensely emotional like conversations because they've gone so badly in the past. And now they can kind of be bringing that into the relationship now, and thinking this this isn't going to go well. I can't say how I feel because the person's not going to understand, and the person's going to hate me, and the person's going to um, get angry at me, whatever. And then what usually happens in that space is if you are if you keep going, now they're going to start like lying, maybe or being really mean, like anything to avoid the emotional intimacy or vulnerability. They're gonna um, do what they have to do in that moment. Um, so it's not gonna get you anywhere either. So definitely and just in general, I think you're if you're in a partnership or a friendship and you can feel that like the tension is running high, like it's always good to just be like, Alright, let's just cool this down for a second, you know, and get back to a place that's calm and, and gentle. Number two understanding their past experiences are driving their present behaviors so that's simply just saying like having compassion and empathy and depersonalizing things so not thinking that their actions today are necessarily necessarily reflective of how they feel about you but just how they feel around certain things as a whole because of what has happened to them in their past number three let your partner know you're here for them if they need you. So kind of allowing a dismissive avoidant person to come to you. Um, The only thing I would say here is definitely talk about that a little bit, not just saying, oh, I'm like, I'm ready when you are. I think it would more be like, hey, I can tell that maybe you're not ready to have this conversation right now. But um, for me to be in this relationship or friendship, I do need to have this conversation and you can let me know what timeline you think is okay or what timeline you might need to think this over and we can come to an agreement on when we're going to talk about it but we do need to talk about it so when you're ready you know you can come talk to me and then but put a timeline on it I think because uh, for me I've left that open and then the person just never comes to you and you're left feeling like you have to bring it up again and then you bring it up again and then all of a sudden you're the person who keeps bringing it up and uh yeah so be really clear from the beginning of like hey this happened do you think you need a few days to think it over or what do you think and the person may say no I just think I just think I need tonight and then we can talk about it tomorrow maybe you know or maybe the person will say I I need a couple weeks like this is this is like big for me but I do want to talk to you about it and then so you can kind of hold them accountable a little bit uh, because avoidant people tend to just keep avoiding, especially if it goes on longer and longer. They'll just be like, oh, maybe I can just avoid it. Um Next one. Setting healthy boundaries about what you will and won't tolerate. So if you're in a relationship with a dismissive avoidant person, um... And, and honestly, this is any attachment style because of course, anxiously attached and fearful fearful avoidant people also do things that are unhealthy. but mm, just having a conversation around what's okay because you can't you can't want to have a relationship with your partner if you're just constantly walking on eggshells or like trying to. trying to fulfill their needs when your needs aren't being met you know so you're just dancing around all these things to not upset them or throw them off or trigger them in some way but it can't be that like both people need to be ready and willing to work through things and yes maybe there may be one person who is a little bit more emotionally mature or has worked on themselves a little bit more and is more familiar with that but the other person still needs to show initiative and consistency towards working on things. So there, you, so that's where you can kind of set boundaries around like, hey, this is what I need. You acting in this way is not okay for me because it makes me feel unsafe. You know, like for me, I've had um, relationships where we spoke about Working on things and then we never worked on things. I kept bringing it up for like well over a year. And it just, you know, once again, multiple relationships, not just one. And it eventually got to a point of, you know, just just causing a lot of distress in the relationship. So you have to be able to have a conversation to say like, hey, this is not meeting my needs. Like, this relationship in this way is not meeting my needs and it's not okay for me. If we're not going to talk about these things, um, we have to think about what that means. You know, and, and like just having a frank conversation like that. And if that person wants to take that as like, oh, you're just threatening to break up, it's like, okay. You know, let, let them think that because there's a difference between um, s- like firmly stating your needs and your boundaries and then like threatening to break up. There, there's it's it's two different things. If someone is constantly like not giving back to you and you're like, hey, well, then we need to talk about what this means. Maybe you need to go do it on your own or maybe uh, we just can't do it together or or we need to try another way or something, you know, and that person's not really giving you anything back. Um, and then you're like, okay, well, maybe we need to talk about what that means. You know, if that person wants to say you're threatening a relationship and being immature, well, then, uh, le- in my opinion, let them. Um, like, you have to firmly say, like, hey, this is what I need. And obviously be willing to compromise and willing to talk about it. But if the other person's just, like, not really willing then you have to look at that and the reason that i always state that and and i'm really firm with that is because being in a relationship that is causing you that like emotional pain can be extremely destructive so you can't do that to yourself um last but not least change your tone of voice so for me this was really difficult because once again I'm Jamaican, I'm kind of uh passionate and and uh, aggressive even at times and my tone of voice really wasn't helping certain situations. So like I said, many episodes ago like I could have been more gentle. I could have kind of calmed it down, but I was so anxious in the moment and had all those feelings and didn't know how to work through them and didn't know what was happening and you know obviously i've grown a lot since then but in those moments i had that and i had that reaction and you know having a conversation around emotions in a more relaxed calm way can help the other people or help the other person to really feel more comfortable and 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 feel more comfortable in labeling their own feelings Instead of being focused on like, it being, it feeling unsafe now, you know? Um, But as a kid, I had those conversations. Like I had, like, if there was a situation with my dad and we disagreed about something, like not, not something grand, but just disagreed about something. Like it was a argumentative conversation and that didn't bother me. But it does bother other people or it does make other people feel like, you know, it's not going to be okay now or safe now. So you you do kind of have to recognize if your partner maybe needs um, uh, just to have the conversation in another way. And obviously you have to talk about your cultures and you both have to compromise. Like you both have to understand and depersonalize situations and compromise. So um, on both parts. You you have to work and you have to be willing to just talk about all these little things that may be throwing you off. So guys, we're at the end of this episode. We spoke about uh, symptoms, causes, how to uh, navigate relationships with a dismissive avoidant person. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about fearful avoidance. That is the um, attachment style I most identify with. So yeah, there'll be a lot to say in that episode. But like I said, watch all of them. Keep going. If you are a dismissive avoidant person and you took the te- the step to uh, watch this and you want to start acknowledging it, then I just want to send you some extra love and strength and courage because it's hard. It's hard to uh, acknowledge these things and-, and to start feeling those feelings that you've been pushing aside for so long. So I am completely with you, 100%. The next episode, as I said, we're going to be talking about fearful avoidance. Thank you so much for watching, guys. Lots of love, lots of light, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.